Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Cherry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking about faith over fear. Finding Courage in Relationships My calling is to help stir a desire for God into the everyday life of really whomever God sends me. It's very much the same calling that I found Peter to have. He says, This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved, and both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. That's chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I thought how similar that is to what I really felt like the Lord was calling me to do. One of the things that calling requires is to listen. When I spend time with women in groups and hear them talk about building relationships with other people, one of the overarching themes is that we come to them in hesitation, timidity, some disappointment, with a whole lot of baggage. In essence, our fears in building relationships with one another tend to override our faith. That God will grant us good friendships, that He can give us what we need, that He can heal the wounds from previous hurts, that people will like us below the surface, that we won't put ourselves out there only to be crushed or disappointed again. Because this is not our first rodeo. We have some walls in place. We have some insulators. We are most definitely not going to do that again, whatever that might have been that caused you some pain. What can happen is that we may find ourselves with a real God-given need or craving for healthy relationships with the people of God that you and I are not willing to allow Him to fill in His time, in His way, with those by whom He wants to fill it. We need our faith to overcome our fear to find courage in building healthy relationships. Let me offer today five faith-building arrows to shoot for overcoming this fear. We're going to need to aim towards meeting this goal and reaching towards it. So I thought about this idea of shooting arrows out, aiming at a target. So these are five faith-building arrows to shoot for overcoming the fear of building relationships. The first one would be that people are going to let us down. Second Timothy, we find Paul writing to his son in the faith, At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. That's verse 16 in chapter 4. There is a lot of hurt, much disappointment, and a tremendous amount of Christ-likeness we need to embrace between those two sentences. What? This is Paul. Where were his friends? Where was Luke? Where were those who had walked with him before? Why, oh why, was he alone? This is a tragedy. 
It is sad, but a telling verse. People are going to disappoint us in huge ways, in tremendous ways, in moments we really, really need them. They are not going to be there. They are going to make choices we would not make. They are going to be insensitive and act in ways that you and I find unconscionable, and we will be hurt by them. Good people, godly people, they are still our friends. Paul says to his son in the Lord, may it not be charged against them, as if to shoot some wisdom in relationships toward him for future reference. Son, you got to toughen up in this one. It's going to hurt when you need them most sometimes, but don't hold it against them. The reality is you and I have let some people down too. We too have hurt those close to us. We too have hurt some friends. There may have been times that we couldn't be there. We didn't see the event as maybe as important as it was to someone else. May it not be charged against us. People are going to let us down. Courage calls us to aim towards handling it like Paul. May we not charge it against them, but it's going to take some courage to do that. The second arrow I think we should use to aim with is that God desires us to be in relationship. And that's really something we need to aim towards because we know this as a fact, but we don't aim towards that reality. We know it's not God's plan to do life alone. We know this. Ecclesiastes 4.12 reminds us of this. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And this verse I love because it speaks of God calling his people together as one. But it comes from an obscure place in scripture in the book of Zephaniah. For then I will give to the people's purified lips that all of them may call on the name of the Lord to serve him shoulder to shoulder. That's how he wants us to walk together. That's Zephaniah 3, 9. We know this. In fact, the entire structure of the body of Christ is built on this reality. But we often don't participate. We've been hurt or we're too busy or we do it on a surface level or we don't really know where to find good friends. There's just a sundry reasons we've listed of why we're not engaging. What we cannot do is simply go on with life in our Lone Ranger outfits or in our pure loneliness. You and I need the courage to aim towards doing life shoulder to shoulder because God desires us to live in relationship. And we've got to aim towards this reality and not just let it go by the wayside and busy our time with something else. Number three, we need to recognize most adults are hungry for relationships just like you, just like me. It's not just you, and we need to really aim towards that and recognize it as a reality. There was a time when Chad and I moved from one city to another several years ago where we showed up to the new place with smiles and clean faces, looking like everyone else, but inside, we were sort of beat up emotionally due to some deep hurts. In time, we found ourselves with this one couple that was different from us, but we loved hanging out with them. Chad and I were, well, I'm speaking for myself. I'm super serious. I'm super driven, very focused, and... (laughs) This couple just was fun. I mean, she's like the homecoming queen, beautiful, and always has herself put together. He's sort of the coach, uh, just life of the party, hilarious. You just want to talk to him and see what else he's going to say. 
lots of friends. They had lived there for a very long time. I mean, we were broken, friendless, and sort of desperate kind of people for relationship. Our need for friends was obvious. At some point in our relationship down the line, after I was very confident we were good friends, I just asked her straight up, how did you have time for us? I mean, how did you guys have room for us in your lives when you obviously have plenty of friends? Really, it surprised me. It took me by surprise her reaction because they had a need at the same time we had a need. We just didn't know that we were filling that need. God only creates needs he's big enough to fill. We must trust him. It's not just us. Rich, true, loyal friendships require that we take out our arrow of courage and aim out in faith, believing God is preparing just the right friends for you who will like you, love you, and need you. Which leads to our next arrow. We're going to have to aim towards some courage to take some risk. Risk Risk-taking, however, doesn't mean being stupid and just jumping into any friendship. Risk is always mixed with wisdom. We are still aiming arrows here. Ephesians 5:15 says, "Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is." So do pray about who God's going to send your way and who he wants you to be friends with. Don't play on your phone. Resist the urge to put your head down in that awkward, silent moment when you are totally uncomfortable, when you don't know the other person or people at the table, in the area, in the seats around you, and pull out the device. Instead, make a pact with yourself. I will only pull out my phone if, you know, or for certain reasons. My pact with myself is... If I'm at church and there's a social event or, you know, we're at a state, I only pull out my phone to use my Bible. Come up with three, I call them go-to phrases. You can use naturally that require real responses from people, such as, how did you come to be here? Or whatever you're doing to engage in this activity or something like that. How did you make out during, uh, you know, whatever event might be happening? We just went through a hurricane, so that's an easy thing to ask people. What does your family do during, you know, whatever the holiday is that we're around? Easter, Christmas, uh, New Year's, whatever it is. I mean, for heaven's sakes, the Super Bowl, whatever it is, you can ask people about it. Something relevant for the time that you're in. What kind of food do you cook during the week that's quick and easy? Or something like that that would draw out conversation. These are not one-word responses that end quickly. You want to steer clear of things like movies, things on TV, even sports, really. Something that will go deeper and help spur you on to the next question about them. Always have, I would say, three questions in your mental hip pocket. Keep them relevant. Asking allows you to listen and respond to the person their story, and determine if this is someone God is leading you to begin a friendship with. And once you get the hang of it, you don't really need to actively think about this. I don't think about it anymore. It's just sort of natural. But I did for a long time. I really had to work on this because I'm not a good small talker. I really didn't engage with people very naturally or well. It's a skill I've had to learn. But now I don't have to think about it. If you're at a table or something like that and there's more than one person you can engage with, Ask another person the same thing. They might be listening to your conversation. So you could go ahead and engage with another person 
they will likely either be ready for giving the same response or they're going to take out their phone so they don't have to talk to you. <laughs> so either way, it's fine. Just never know how people are going to respond. I will say, this doesn't always work. I will tell you, a few weeks ago, I went to a ladies' function where I didn't really know, but a handful of people, none of whom were at my table. Something was wrong with the technology, so we found ourselves with some extra unstructured time on our hands. I am ready to blast off my go-to questions and get this party started when the older lady next to me did the dreaded deed. She pulled out her phone and pivoted away from me in her chair. And before I could casually turn my head to the younger woman on my left, she had taken her cues from the woman on my right, immediately pulling out her phone and became engrossed in the screen. The rest of the table was empty chairs. There I was, seated in a table where I didn't have any options whatsoever. And just a stone's throw away was a table with an empty seat where there were some other ladies that I actually did sort of know. But I can't leave that table because that would be rude. I was just stuck. So I did not pull out my phone. I just sat there and endured it and waited for the technology then to get working again. So it doesn't always work. But you want to have some strategies in place to engage people as you can and take the successes with the failures. It will be a learning process. So do go get out there. Get in relationships with people in your church. Get in small groups. Go to functions. Get involved. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't excuse yourself or how you're too busy or you don't want to go to that because you will talk yourself out of it. Don't do it. You want to aim towards being involved. Do believe God that he has a plan for you and he has your good in store. Don't give in to your fear. At the end of that same chapter that we talked about early on, Paul writes to Timothy. He does something very sweet. He gives instructions for who to greet and who is with him that sends greetings. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. And then a couple of verses later, he says, Do your best to come to me before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you as do, you know, these other people and all the brothers. Where were these people when he needed them? Why didn't he just give up after that awful, heart-wrenching situation where no one but the Lord Jesus stood by him in his darkest hour? Why did Paul believe it was even worth the risk anymore? I can't say for sure. We don't know. But with these four points we've just discussed, with his experience and with his life example, it tells me Paul believed relationships required risks that were worth the courage necessary to attain them, in spite of all the drama, in spite of the garbage, and the heartache. Why? Why are they worth the risk? Well, number five, People matter. He understood people matter. And we really need to aim towards recognizing people are still going to let you down. And you don't have time for anything else in your life. Scripture declares there is great gain when we put our faith into action to aim at spending ourselves on others. Isaiah declares it very plainly in chapter 58. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail. 
Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That's Isaiah 58, 10 through 12. Relationships require courage, real, genuine courage. But you are equipped. God has a plan. You are likable, and there are people out there who need what you have to offer. Think about these five arrows. Reach down, find the courage to aim them. Don't shrink back. Get your arrows of faith. Let God help you aim and shoot, and you will find courage in relationships. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.